Hello everyone, I'm delighted to be joined with Ismail Boukhia, a Moroccan entrepreneur who has established more than 12 successful startups in Morocco, such as Saruti, Nishri, Monchefo, Quibo, and many other more. Today he's joining us to answer our questions and to share his expertise and knowledge. I hope that you'll be enjoying this episode, and of course, uh, stay tuned. Hi Ismail, how are you today? I am good, thanks for inviting me. Thank you for taking the time for being with us. Uh, it, is it is a pleasure to have such a successful entrepreneur to be an, ex an example for Moroccan uh, entrepreneurs uh, that are available now in the market. Um, if you allow me to say, uh, Ismail, I have been through your LinkedIn and I have seen that you since almost you have established more than 12 startups. Uh, why exactly going for startups and entrepreneurship instead of corporate job like many other grads because the moment you graduate, you start looking for a job in, in a business where you can explore new fields, where you explore the real world, when you can get the knowledge, not going straight forward for, for, for the startups. Now, actually, to be honest, uh, when I graduated from uh, university, I did start uh, working for a consulting group co called uh, the Boston Consulting Group. Okay. I did spend uh, almost three years with them. Uh, learning, you know, the corporate uh, business. And uh, okay. one day I woke up, I was probably uh, 27 or 28 year, years old. And I realized that my whole life I did follow uh, everything that I was said that basically, you know, you have to go to these great schools, work for these great companies and uh, follow a path that was at the end, not necessarily what I was looking for. I was, you know, I did everything right, but I was not happy. Right, okay. I was making some money, but I was not happy. And this is why I decided to move to become an entrepreneur. So after three years of working for BCG, I started my own business. That's perfect. Um, and why having 12 startups instead of only one and focusing on, on scaling it to make it a large business in Morocco? I know that you have Saruti, which is famous. I'm not living in Morocco, but I, but I know it. Uh, it's famous. The latest project, Nishri, it shows great potential. I, be I believe it will be a great success. But why having different startups that are on small scale, they are hardly known and not going for a big, bigger business? Take one startup, focus on it, put all the efforts, all the investment, all the funding, and make it a, a great business. It's a, it's, a, it's a great question, and uh, I have been asked this question uh, many times. And, you know, when I started about uh, seven years ago, you know, my, my ventures, I've decided to stay in Morocco and work on the Moroccan market, right? Okay. When many of my friends who, with whom I studied, Moroccan friends, you know, with whom I studied abroad, decided to start uh, their, their venture outside Morocco, mainly because they felt back at that time that the market outside Morocco was booming and that Morocco was still behind. But myself, I had my family here in Morocco. And again, even if the market was still small, I thought that I would try my, my, my odds here in, in Morocco. The thing is, when, when you have to play on a small market, right? Uh, you have to give the same input like any other entrepreneur in any kind of country. The only difference is that the output in Morocco may end up smaller than the output you may get outside. So the costs in the input are the same. You need developers, you need marketers, you need uh, a, a team helping you develop the project. And at the end, when you start selling it, 
you end up realizing that whatever you do as sales is not enough to cover the costs of your back office. So this is how I thought that I could, you know, mutualize the back office, have one single back office working for all the startups. Okay. And again, have many startups on the front in order to get more revenue. And this is why and how I started a startup studio, basically, which is again, back office mutualized and many front offices with many small ventures. Uh, I agree with you. I am not focusing all the efforts in one business, but at least the sum of all the small business make the, 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 yeah. the again, the startup studio become big enough at least to be sustainable, to make money, and not to have to raise too much and uh, lose in, in equity. More than 10 startups. Uh, are they all successful? Yes, it's a good question. Uh, to be honest, I when, when again, over, over the last seven years, we probably uh, started something like 30 or 40 startups, out of which many are today in their cemetery, right? Uh, and those uh, you are talking about are those who are still alive. And by uh, being still alive, it means that they are successful. Successful doesn't mean necessarily making money. The good news is that we have some startups that do make money and that do subsidize other companies that don't as of today, but that will one day or another. So we have very specific KPIs based obviously on the growth. Uh, and this is how we decide whether or not to back uh, a, a, a startup that is ca burning cash by a startup that is making money. So uh, based on do we trust the startups? Yes, those who are still here are all successful in a sense that they keep growing month over month. That's perfect. And I can see also that all the startups are mainly internet-based, not brick-based, means they are all internet-based. Why not going for what we call traditional startups, for example, a retailer, for example, an agency or dealership of cars or something that is brick-based, as we call it in business industry, not internet-based, uh, like all your startups, if I'm not mistaken, because I, see, I saw them all, they're all internet-based. Yes, again, it's a, it's a great question. Remember, I told you earlier that one day I woke up and uh, I, I did a kind of introspection of, of my life and I just realized that I was doing everything right, went to a great school, went to work for a great uh, company, was making good money for my age, but still I wasn't really happy. I wasn't okay. really happy because I was doing something that wasn't my passion. Okay. And I decided to cut my revenues, you know, because I quit my job that was well paying to start a venture from scratch. But the only reason why I did it was because I was looking to do something that was my passion. And my okay. passion is internet. And today, I'm happy to work only on the internet sector and doing something that I really love. That's perfect. I, I have downloaded your application, Nishri, the, the latest project that you've been working on. I can see it has great potential, as I said. Uh, in Morocco, there is absence of such apps or such facilities, while in, in other world or other parts of the world, there are like thousands. When you go, to, for example, to Dubai, you can find more than, more than tens of applications that deliver the same content. So the competition is high, but in Morocco, it's barely there is nothing. So you are almost the only one in the market. But 
I go to the website, for example, there are many flows. For example, you need to create an account in order to see the content, while other applications in the other parts of the world, you don't need to do that. So how you are almost stopping the audience to go and explore your application. True, true, and it's again uh, a good point. Uh, I have to explain why we did that, which is obviously not a way to help uh, users uh, start using our application, but we did it uh, in purpose, mainly because our application is a B2B application. It, okay. the, the users are the small shop owners, you know, the bakalas, the mm -hmm. traditional Groceries. store, right? Groceries. And uh, the reason why we didn't let anyone uh, use the app is mainly because we don't want end users to see what are the prices on our app. Okay. We want, we want it to be exclusive, exclusive for professionals. And we want them to feel that in order to get to the app, they need to go through a screening. So they okay. have to download the app, to leave their information. Then we do call them. We check that the guys have a real store. We ask them to send us a picture of the store, a geolocalization of where they stand. And, and then we decide whether okay. or not we want to give them an access. So, but, yeah. From another perspective, yeah. another person will ask, why limiting such huge projects, such uh, in, in terms of potential, to groceries rather than the population of Morocco? We have 40 million. Now, every Moroccan that you may see has a mobile smartphone. Even if he is jobless, he has a mobile, has an iPhone. And the, 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 the Moroccan people now are more into innovation application. They are more than ready to, to, to purchase online, to, 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 to shop online. And when you limit it to only B2B, it's like you are losing a, a huge opportunity that is now available in your hand. Maybe tomorrow another app will be, will be joining the market and will be addressing this segment or this portion uh, uh, or this target. So why B2B instead of B2C and B2B? You can work on both. Yeah, good question again. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to share with you some of my strategy. Okay. First of all, you have to realize that uh, doing e-commerce in B2C and in B2B are two separate uh, businesses, completely different. In a sense that uh, when you do B2C, you have to invest a lot of money in marketing, right? Okay. Yeah. And then when you, you have to invest a lot of money in last mile, because when you deliver whatever you're going to deliver, you're not sure where the end user is. You're not, you're, you're not sure if he will be at his place or no, and you will have high return rates. And this is really yeah. costly. Yeah. In my place, as, as you may know, uh, in Morocco, we have something like 150,000 small shops. So the, the market of the small shop is quite big and huge. And 85% uh, of the fast-moving consumer goods consumption goes through these small traditional shops, when only 15% okay. goes through the modern trade. So based on that, I've decided to start my venture by focusing only on this B2B business and by making sure that all the small shops of Morocco will start ordering whatever they need from my app. And this may take something like two to three years. And hopefully, and again, the, the, the trend is really great because after only eight months, we have signed up about 8,000 stores. That's and the true. way we are growing... It makes me think that we should get to 50 to 60 percent of market share by the end of 2022 uh, and when again 
60% of the shops of Morocco will be buying from me whatever they need for my shop, then it would be the right moment for me. So it's a matter of momento to okay. open my business to B2C. And the day I will open my business to B2C, I will be the only one able to commit on delivering the end user on a time frame of one hour. Why? Because wherever you will be, you will order on the app and I will ask the closest shop to de deliver to you whatever you need. So I'm creating right now a kind of entrance barriers to make sure that the day I will start, no one of my competitors will be able to follow what uh, I, I would be doing. Does it I make guess. sense for you? Yeah, it makes sense. Very small. <laughs> did I answer your question? <laughs> no, no, you did, you did. Now I understand. I was saying he's losing market share for almost nothing, but now I understand. No, no, it's a strategy. That's good. Ismail, why is it your, all your applications are mainly in French? And we know that the Moroccan uh, population, not all are fluent in, in French. So when you focus only in French, language, I mean, the application is made or designed as in French, you are again losing all the market shares. Uh, if I see Montchefort, it is in French. If I see uh, all other, your, your startups, they are mainly focused in French. There is no English, there is no uh, Arabic. Why is that? No, so uh, again, depending on the, the uh, depending on the startup, we do decide whether it's in French or Arabic. Uh, when the when the startup targets the mass market, it's in Arabic. Let me give you an example. If you go to saruti.ma, which is a, 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 a property a real estate portal, you will okay. find out that uh, everything is in Arabic. Again, because we are targeting end users that speak only Arabic. If you okay. go to sherry.ma you will find out on the app that you can move from Arabic to French to even Berber. No, when it comes to other services. And like Montchefort. Yeah, for instance. Uh, so it's, it's a high-end service. Who do we target? Again, we on this, on, on this business, we are not competing with the small uh, taxi rouge, you know. Mm. We are competing with, uh, again, we are trying to, to get users who are either member of big uh, corporation or have people who want to travel outside Morocco and go to airports. And usually okay. there are people who speak French. And by putting the, you know, the app in French, it gives some exclusivity that okay. explains the reason why we are probably more expensive than, than a normal taxi. And I get the concept right now. So again, if I may ask, being an entrepreneur that has founded more than 10 already startups, how do you see the Moroccan uh, economy and market? Does it support startups of SMEs? And what are the main challenges? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, honestly, when I started seven years ago, the ecosystem wasn't supporting anything. Uh, sure, we had great human resources because Moroccan, uh, the, the youth in Morocco are really into tech. They're really good when it comes to developing a technology and they are at the cost that is obviously lower uh, than the one that you may get uh, outside Morocco and this is the good part of, of being an entrepreneur of Morocco. However, uh, there is an issue when it comes to financing your startup because the mindset here in Morocco is not a mindset that allow people to understand that basically a startup needs to burn cash before okay. becoming profitable. So whenever you go see someone and explain to him that basically you are not making money and you need his money to one day become profitable, 
either he obviously tell you that he doesn't want to invest or if he accepts to invest he end up asking for 40 to 50 percent of your startup so you end up with giving half of whatever you want to create and lose your motivation and uh, it took a lot of time for moroccans to understand that and it's been only a few months if not one year uh, that we've started seeing business angels venture capitalists uh, you know coming to to the market uh, and the government also has started giving a lot of help to the okay. small to the smaller businesses and we are happy to see that it's changing also uh, you know when the banks before were not giving any uh, kind of credits you know or loans or help yeah. to the startups today they are backed by the government in order to help the young so so it's it's shifting and uh, also one uh, one challenge that uh, we used to face is as a startup we used to be providers for big companies and unfortunately here in morocco the payment terms are really long so when yeah. you work for a company you know you end up being paid after three to six months so when you're a big company it's okay to wait for six to nine months because yeah. you have the cash flow for this but when you are a young startup you need to be paid right away otherwise you uh, you may end You'll up dying. Yeah. so if i had to, to to pass a message to these big companies is to tell them please help the ecosystem by choosing to work with small businesses and when you w w decide to work with small businesses please pay them the fastest way possible thank you smile uh, i really get your points and uh, i think this is a challenge worldwide but when it comes to the market economy which is growing somehow this has to be implemented last question ismail uh, all your answers were interesting and were uh, enlightening in terms for any person who is interested in startups because in matter of fact when i was uh, filtering the profiles in morocco i found almost everyone has started i said to myself i have to go back and, uh, and be a founder of my startup uh, so yeah now it's the clear uh, there is a clear idea about the startups uh, markets in morocco so link to that link to this idea what would be your advice to any person who wants to start up a business in Morocco or to found a startup? Uh, I'd be, it would be great if you cover three questions within this big question. When to go for startup, the reasons, and when or what or uh, he or she should uh, consider before going or founding a startup, and how to, to maintain the traction of the success, how to succeed. Okay, so three, three questions. Um, First, why? Why? Uh, or when? When to yeah. go for startup? What is the right time? Okay. Uh, so, so, so I believe that uh, before wasn't the right time because again the ecosystem was not ready. I believe that uh, today we are starting to have the right ingredients to to make good startups in Morocco. So, even if it's still more difficult to start a startup in Morocco than elsewhere and I agree because many things are still missing it's the right moment why mainly because it's more difficult to come to Morocco than to do something somewhere else so therefore the, you will find less competition in Morocco than somewhere else and if you start something you will end up being by yourself and by the time the market will be great enough to attract other people hopefully you will have gone far uh, enough to put the right barriers to make sure that those who will be following you will have uh, difficulties to arrive wherever you, you, you are yeah. at. So 
to me, it's the right moment because there are no competition and you will be able to create your business and your market and put the right barriers. So this is uh, the, 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 the question about when. Now the question about what, again, um, to me, there are two kinds of people. Those who come from, uh, you know, big consulting firms like me, who will uh, end up doing a lot of market sizing, analyzing the market before jumping into an ID and spending time uh, analyzing everything. And the other school to which I do belong today, which is a school that basically says, you know what? Spontaneous. You have an ID, just go and try it, you know? Go on the market with a minimal viable product, see how it works. If you feel that there is an opportunity, then go back to your office, improve it, you know, iterate and go back to the market and see how the market will react to that. So based on that, you try, you fail, you iterate, you improve and you keep uh, moving and moving. Test and, learn. test and learn, obviously, test and learn. So the reason is that we are on a market that is moving so fast. Look what the COVID has done to the market. Imagine all those who have spent months and months before COVID analyzing a market and doing market studies. Yeah. Like you, you, know, you wanted to come to Morocco <laughs> the day before and you did plan your trip. <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> so. Yeah. so again, we are in the tech industry in something that is moving so fast that you don't have time to even analyze. And my motto today is act more, think less. Everybody will, take, will tell you more thinking, less acting. I am the one who's, I am from the ones who say more acting, less thinking. That's great, that's great. And how to, to maintain the traction of the, the, the startup or just success? What are so the key? Yeah, so that was your third question. Yep. Um, again, um, when you are a startup and you don't necessarily have all the funds because in Morocco we won't get founded the way you want and it's, it's quite difficult to, to get the money to keep investing in marketing and get the, 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 the traction you may want. So you will have to do what we call growth hacking and find solutions that are not costly to, to keep growing fast. And I will give you just some examples. You know, in my business, uh, Sherry.ma, which is a B2B business, and in which I couldn't invest too much in marketing, I had to go look for associations of uh, small shop owners and go see the president of the association and sit with them and invite him and explain to him how it works and uh, ask him to help me out with the word of mouth and give, give me access to their database of users. And again, this doesn't, didn't ask me to invest money. It just okay. asked me to think you know outside the box outside the box yeah on time and to me growth hacking is the way for those who don't have necessarily the good amount to invest in marketing great uh, i think that's it for the questions we try to make it as short and sweet as they say in english uh, your questions were more than uh, enlightening informative and i believe it will be of help to many individuals who are looking to to begin with their journey to to found a startup and to establish a business that they can uh, that can achieve their dreams or their goals uh, because 
there is a study uh, that says that 90% of all the employees around the world, they have a hidden dream that they want to have their own business. And, I'm sure. And, and I was one of them. I and, was one of them. And unfortunately, and unfortunately, less than 10% that goes for it. And 90% of that 10% will fail when they establish this, the startup. But it, it's, it seems demotivating, but it's, this should not be a barrier or challenge to, 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 to stop you from going after your dream. So thank you, Ismail. Thank you for taking the time. It was a pleasure meeting you and having you in the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take good care. Bye. Take care.